Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Hi, this is Dana Creel from GraceLivingstonHill.com, and you're listening to Your Best with Kathy Weckworth. Hi, listeners. Today, we're going to talk about my favorite topic. We talk about constantly things that are, you know, helping you make yourself better and improving who you are. But today, we're going to talk about someone who had an incredible impact on my life, and that is the author, Grace Livingston Hill. As I look back over my life, there are people who have made a significant difference in my journey and how I related to what was happening to me. There are people whose wisdom and example have helped me to mold who I am. Sometimes there are people I have never even met in person. One of those people was a wonderful businesswoman, speaker, author, and mother, Grace Livingston Hill. This week, I went into my room to grab a couple of books for an upcoming trip I was taking to Pennsylvania, and I looked at my collection of Grace books. One by one, the books were neatly aligned. The volumes vary from 1902 to 1940s, and the cover pages sport prior owners' names because I've purchased these from eBay. So it will say Libby, or I own, or Arda, or Melba. I look at these books, and I'm thrown back into my childhood. I remember one specific summer trip where I was first introduced to this fabulous author of my beloved books. I was 12 years old at the time and resting in the backseat of the old blue Plymouth. Daddy was at the wheel driving us to Banff, Canada, nestled in amongst an old quilt that was handcrafted by Grandma Bessie. I read with an insatiable hunger the book entitled Amaral by this author, Grace Livingston Hill, which, just a side note, listeners, I just read it last week. My father was very strict during my childhood years and kept watch over what I read and how I spent my leisure time. Too much television competes with creativity, Kathleen, he'd say. It's bad for the soul. God intended us to continually collect knowledge and use our minds to read and learn. There was nothing my father could complain about when it came to this author. As a matter of fact, at the halfway point, I had finished the three books I brought along. Daddy pulled up to a bookstore so I could purchase more books for the trip. Every word in Grace's stories painted a picture. Every storyline was well-crafted. Every character was vividly created within your own imagination. But mostly, I esteemed the way that her descriptive words would challenge me and continually create a curiosity that would eventually lead me to possess a love for not only history, but for storytelling and wordsmithing as well. But Grace wasn't an author from the year 1980, not even from the 1950s. No, Grace was an author from the late 1800s. After Grace's pastor husband, Fred Hill, died, she and her two young girls were forced out of the church parsonage. Now, I learned after reading that history that Dana said they weren't really forced out. And you're going to hear from Dana, an expert on Grace, shortly. But right after that, within eight months, her daddy, a pastor, died. She and her daughters and her mother would need a place to live, and she needed to figure out a way to support them all. Now, Grace had been writing books right along, so it was in those moments where trouble and complexity met that she realized she had to figure out a place to live, 
She had to figure out how to earn her living without her husband, all except for the gift of storytelling. She wasn't even sure what she could do, but this is what she chose to continue to write her fabulous stories. Grace set out to find solutions, sat behind an incredible old desk with a typewriter, and began to write these great books. By 1902, Grace had pounded out three Christian fiction books. Another two followed in 1903. The books continued to be highly sought after, and Grace began to find her niche in life. Not only did she write books, but she also wrote magazine and newspaper articles and was an eloquent speaker. Years later, Grace married a church organist named Flavius Lutz, but happiness for someone who writes about the perfect union of souls, even those who are fighting their way through war or the Great Depression, seemed to elude her. And he was 15 years her junior and left her in 1914. I think because of her feeling embarrassed but never wanting to divorce, it must have been a very detrimental and difficult time for her. But she continued to keep busy with her work. She made a name for herself in what was to become some of the first Christian romance books ever. Grace wrote over a hundred books and gently ushered her thoughts, ideas, and love for God, along with a tenacity to persevere right into my heart and mind. Well, listeners, joining me in the studio today to talk about this amazing author is Dana Creel, the creator and administrator of the website gracelivingstonhill.com. Welcome to the show, Dana. Thanks, Kathy. It's nice to be with you. I am so excited. I've been looking forward to this. Listeners, we always are working on being our best version of ourselves. And today we just get to relax and listen in about this amazing author who's really affected my life in an incredibly profound way. And I know, Dana, she has yours as well. So tell us how you first found out about Grace and what eventually led you to create a website about her and start working on a book. Well, I've been reading Grace books, as we call them, for almost 30 years. My first one came from the Christian Herald Book Club. It was one of those book of the month clubs, and um, it must have been the book of the month because I'd never heard of Grace Livingston Hill before. Mm. I had no idea that book was going to change my life. I was hooked from the first page. And the next Grace Livingston Hill book that they featured in the book club found its way to my mailbox in a hurry. <laughs> Eventually, I realized that the books were copyrighted a long time ago, and I might be able to find more. Mm. So um, I went to a local antique mall, and sure enough, we walked in the door, and I stopped at the first booth, and there was a little wooden crate at the front with a, a worn-out hardback of Crimson Roses. Mm. And that was my very first vintage Grace Livingston Hill. I still have it. Neat. It was passed from friend to friend to friend, and the spine's coming apart. I had to mm. tape it. It's still one of my favorite books. Okay, so and Crimson Roses, let me just... It's amazing. Let me ask about that just to, for one quick minute. Um, do sure. you remember what you paid for that book? Oh, probably $2. Don't you love it? Okay. Yeah. And so who's the main character? Do you remember the main character? Um. She is a girl who works in a department store making ribbon roses. Oh, I love it. I love it. So I wish I could do that. Yes, I do too. Listeners, we just have to fill you in again on the fact that Grace of Ingston Hill is from the 1800s, late 1800s. And so her books were, Dana, just, you know, what, 1890s to 1930s? Tell us the range of, of era. Well, she actually 
actually started writing as a girl. Okay. And her first book came out when she was 12. She was born in 1865, um, the weekend that President Lincoln was shot. Oh, my. To give you some perspective. Okay. And she wrote until she went home to be with Jesus in 1947. Hmm. She was actually writing a book when she passed away. Wow. Okay. And what was the name of that book, Dana? Do you remember? It's Mary Arden. Okay. Oh, yes. Mary Arden. And didn't her niece finish her that? Daughter. Her daughter. Daughter. Yes. Finished okay. the book. And what was her daughter's name? Ruth? Ruth. Ruth Muntz. Okay. So in all of Grace's hundred romance novels, Grace focuses on a main character. And most of the time, it's a woman. And and it's a simple formula for each story. And this isn't a trick question, Dana, because I know you know this. Um, She varies the settings but what's that simple formula? Tell our, our listeners. Well, they're not all the same. A lot of them have a formula. There are a few that are surprisingly different. Okay. But the formula books, um, it's, it's not really girl meets boy in the sense that you think of it today. It's, she is, the girl is a no-nonsense young woman. She's a committed Christian. She's at ease with sharing the gospel with people around her, usually single, um, not always looking for a husband, but she often ends up with one by the end of the book. And you have to remember, when Grace was writing these, there really weren't many opportunities for girls outside of homemaking. Mm-hmm. So that's what girls were taught to aspire to. And, you know, this is somebody her readers could identify with. Absolutely. And here's the formula that I have in my mind, because I've read probably, well, I've got over, you know, I don't know, the last 40 years, the hundred books I've uh, collected. And so I've read, I would say, each one maybe five to ten times, because Mm -hmm. that's how I am. They're easy to read. Um, The language is a little bit different, because you're looking at early 1900s language. And sometimes she puts in the maid's language, and you can tell that perhaps they're Irish or Irish, or maybe they're um, African American. Um, Definitely from, Scottish, because oh, that's yes. her heritage. Okay, that's it, because you can tell it's you know the way she words things. But I always think of the formula being a young girl who has lost her mother and her father, or either one or the other, or sometimes both. I just finished reading Amaral. And then she's got to figure out what she's going to do with her life. And then it's usually some sort of trouble that's interjected in there and then some kind man. And I love the fact that at the end, you know, she's whoever the heroine is, has helped somebody else know about Jesus. I mean, it's just a a fun, fun thing. So in Grace's personal life, because you've been studying it to write this book for several years, what do you attribute to her incredible ability to persevere through trials and in what ways did she connect that with her leading character in each story? Well, I, I think it goes without saying that she had a deep personal relationship with Jesus, and he was her anchor in the storm. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can tell that in the books. You can tell that in her personal life. And some of the things that I've been privileged to read that maybe not everybody would, she is as true in real life as she was in her books through her characters. Now, she never wrote directly from personal experience, but um, living as a pastor's daughter and later a pastor's wife, she had access to the homes and the stories of people from very different walks of life. So she could take those life lessons that she knew deeply and connect them with all of these wonderful stories that she had seen lived out. 
Mm-hmm. and then pour them into her characters. I think my favorite is what I just told you, the Amaral. I also love one called the Enchanted Barn. Oh, that's a big favorite mm-hmm. among her fans. Yes. The Enchanted Barn. I've, I've even located the trolley line that went from oh, the city neat. out to the barn. And in Uh-oh. that story, it's uh, a family in the city, mm-hmm. and it's it's hard to imagine now, but they were suffering from the heat in a brick tenement, and they mm-hmm. needed to get their sick mother out to the country. And the daughter took the trolley to the end of the line, and they found a barn, and they lived in it for the summer and started to turn it into a house. They didn't. And the actually, is one so of great. Grace's friends did get a barn and turn it into a house. Wow. Okay. Because her descriptive words for the listeners, um, you know, they're just listening to how we're talking about her. But she has such incredible abilities to wordsmith details so that your mind can create what it is that she's talking about. And and we're going to give you an example in just a few minutes of that. But yes, I, I love that one so much. So, Dana, I believe that in our lives, trouble is the means by which God frequently propels us to do something bigger, something that makes us better. Do you think that Grace would have written these books if she hadn't been in a place where she needed to provide for her family after her husband died? I'm sure that she would have continued to write books, mainly because she was writing long before she married. And that was natural because she was surrounded by a family of authors. Mm. She wrote several novels during her first marriage, and she even wrote a series of books with her husband. But I think also there probably would have been less of them, and the lessons they taught would have been drastically different, Mm -hmm. just because her life's path would have been different. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that husband. He was a pastor, and he passed away. And then shortly after, is that correct, her daddy passed away as well? Yeah, not very long. It was about eight months difference. Okay. And I love the names. Don't you love the names? Of course, my grandmas, Florence and Thelma, would tell me, oh, honey, these are are like neighbors and friends of ours, these names. You know, so you've got like Lavinia. And I don't know. I mean, I think of Amaral. That was was an interesting name. But you have very unusual names for the women. And that always makes me feel so... I don't know, blessed, because they're just so unique. I love it. So listeners, Grace was an incredible wordsmith. And here's an excerpt I'm going to read from one of her books. It says, are you ready? Quote, the thick Persian rugs, the myriads of palms, the tinkling of the falling water, the faint perfume of the English violets from an immense bowl of purple that stood on a pillar of the stairs, the soft light of stained glass from a costly window on the first broad stair landing, the glimpses of great painting and costly furnishings through the open doorways on every hand, the vista of a great library with book-lined walls, everything bespoke ease and luxury. You can just put your mind right into that, like you stepped right into the room and saw all of that. Do you think that Grace created the houses? You know, you already said you think that a lot of these places were real, and that's how she could actually describe them. Do you still think that about all of them, or do you think some of it was her great imagination? Well, I happen to know that some of them she visited herself, and others she learned about from correspondence. Mm -hmm. When she wrote The Girl from Montana, she'd never been to Montana, and she advertised in a Western newspaper for someone to correspond with her and describe the West. Mm. So if there was a setting that she wanted to use that she wasn't familiar with, 
then she would study very hard to make sure she got all the details right. Okay. I love that. Well, listeners, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Your Best with Kathy Weckworth. And I'm here with my friend, Dana Creel. And she is uh, the person behind gracelivingstonhill.com. She has all of the fabulous information that you would need to know about this wonderful author. And if you haven't checked her out, I think that you should take some time. And we're talking about Grace because in my world and in Dana's world, she was an incredible impact and influence. So within each story, there are traits that lie within the very souls of the heroines. And I love to look at them. Now, not every story has the main character as a woman. I've read several of them that, you know, you follow along with the man who's the the part of the story. Tell us some of the familiar traits that kind of connect these main lead characters together. And also, there are great descriptive words that help us, as we talked about it, to visualize those slippery individuals. I love to read it when you've got the bad guys. Just tell us a little bit about that. Well, the heroines, they all have that beauty within. Quite a few of them are beautiful on the outside, too, but um, characters like Miranda in the Marsha Schuyler trilogy, she's the quirky, red hair and freckled kind of girl that you just can't find a truer heart. And that's a lot of the heroines. They have love for God, love for family, and love for others. And they always have a sense of doing the right thing. Even if it's not convenient or popular, they need to do the right thing. And that's a lot of her heroines. So knowing that the Grace stories are written to take place in the early 1900s, do you think that people today would be intrigued enough to be reading them? And because you have this website, you know, maybe you know, maybe there are a lot of people that are still following her. There are hundreds and hundreds of people still reading Grace, and there are new people finding her all the time. Okay. I quite often get emails from people who are just beginning, and they, they have questions about where they should start or... Maybe they have a young friend, and what would be good books for this age range? Mm-hmm. And it's it's wonderful because historical fiction has always been popular. And the beautiful thing about Grace's books are they were written when the history was happening. Mm-hmm. So they're, you're seeing into the lives of these girls and what they really experienced, and it's not like someone writing today who's guessing. So... The slang and the cars and the clothes, they're all accurate. Yes, and yeah. it's, it has really inspired me to become a student of history. Mm-hmm. And that's what me I too. tell readers. Mm-hmm. Take a moment and look at the era. It's so easy to do a quick Internet search and find out what happened in those years mm-hmm. and get a feel for what you're reading. Exactly. And it, if you really, what a lot of us have done is we've really made a study of the books. And there are so many real events real people Mm. that are woven throughout these books that are just hidden gems. Mm -hmm. One of the things I love is that very frequently the young people who are often either involved in the Christian endeavor or they're, you know, having lunches together, picnics together, or then there's the other side, the people that are out drinking, right? Right. Uh, they're, (laughs) They're at the dance, they're smoking, they're drinking. And then you've got a group of people that all, you know, like huddle together in these cars and it talks about covering up with blankets and furs. So you think, okay, it's, it's very cold or they're, you know, they have no roofs. I don't know, but they're always 
piling people on the sideboards, you know, of the of the cars. And so I actually had to call my grandpa about that and say, come on. And he's like, absolutely. That's what we did, you know, where people would hold on and they would, you know, have the runners along the sides of the big old cars. So I love that, Dana. Very fun. So, Dana, if you were to recommend a specific book for our listeners to get their feet wet, which one would you recommend? Well, there isn't just one that's going to fit everybody, but I I know a few that are good starting points. Okay. If you like the home makeover shows, there are two books that are really good. One we talked about, The Enchanted mm-hmm. Barn. Yes where Love they it. turn a barn into a house. Mm-hmm. And another one is Recreations. Mm-hmm. And that one um, is a college girl who gets called home from school because her mother's ill. and She has to take over the home. And that's a really neat book with um, recipes and all kinds of things that you can just imagine being made. It's a wonderful home makeover type of book. Mm-hmm. Um, Early American History, the Marsha Schuyler trilogy is wonderful. Uh, Marcia Schuyler, Phoebe Dean, and Miranda, they're all connected. They all happen in the same town, mm-hmm. and they have characters that are interwoven. Okay. And there are two great books with male lead characters. Those are A New Name, which is one of my favorite books, mm-hmm. and The Witness, which I would consider her most deeply spiritual book. Okay. And then for pure romance, Crimson Roses. Okay, I was just going to say, what about Crimson Roses? This is the one where somebody leaves the roses on the seat, correct? Mm -hmm. And then she comes back, and and it's a lovely, lovely story and very romantic. Don't you think that's a good romantic one? That is absolutely. She comes to the symphony concerts Mm -hmm. that she saved her pennies to be able to buy a season ticket for, and every time she comes in, there's a crimson rose on her seat mm-hmm. and she has no idea where it's from and i love and that simplicity don't you love the simplicity of that because you as a reader are thinking today's world everything has to be big and huge but they're so excited about something as simple as a beautiful rose you know they just are always treasuring their simple things yes i, I love that i love that part of the story and i love the hats i love the gloves i love the outfits that she describes um and do you ever think about the food dana as you're talking about if people are interested in you know today's food network so often she'll describe the dinner and it's you know all the way to the tinkling ice in the glass and the the chicken you know that tastes delectable pieces of chicken the warm, fresh-baked bread with butter, a lot of times I will emulate that in my column. I will think about how would Grace describe this Thanksgiving dinner, you know, and so I'll go through everything. And she just makes it so real. I love that. Thinking about your own life, Dana, and the fact that you've dedicated so much time to studying her, knowing that, you know, this is someone that's passed away many years ago, and you've done such a great job. Um, how have you persevered in obtaining information? Because it's not easy. I've been, I've been working on genealogy. It's, it's a tough thing. It is a tough thing. Um, I'm not so much, I'm not sure it's so much perseverance as it is passion to uncover the truth. Okay. I love a mystery. I love to find forgotten things, putting puzzles together. Mm. All of this has worked together to keep me looking for facts and to separate them from fiction. And if you think about that, you were able actually to sit right at her original desk. Now, yes. where where did you do this? Was that, that at her grandson's house or? Yeah, um, 
we became friends after that one incredible day when Megan and I went to Florida. Mm-hmm. And I actually have had the privilege to help Grace's family preserve and catalog her papers and books. Wow. And so I spent quite a few trips down to Florida and um, working on getting things preserved, archival condition, Mm -hmm. and just building a relationship with her family at the same time. Mm -hmm. And on one of those trips, they invited me to their home, and I knew the desk was there. How neat. And... um, I sat behind the desk and just something about feeling the wood and knowing Mm -hmm. I was touching another century. Isn't that so wonderful? So there's a picture that I saw on the internet of Grace sitting at a desk um, and she, you know, she's got a typewriter there. Is that the same desk that you sat at? The typewriter, there was a special compartment and it had a spring Mm -hmm. and the typewriter would come up out of the desk and she could put it back down inside. Yeah. I used to have one of those when I worked at church. I bought it from some little grandpa and loved it, but I sold it when I married Farmer Dean. So what are three truths that you have learned throughout all of these years from these fabulous Grace Livingston Hill books? Well, I would have to say um, the biggest one is reverence. And I think that's something we're losing in today's culture. Absolutely. A reverence for the things of God. Um, you see it in the lives of her characters. I see it as I research Grace's family. I appreciate the high standards of her heroes and her heroines. And not only that, but the high expectations they have of fellow believers. Mm-hmm. It's something unwritten that it's understood about the way we act toward God and toward others. It's something I feel we need to bring out of the past and into the present. You just don't see it anymore. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's the big one. Mm-hmm. Perseverance, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm no stranger to challenges in my life, but getting to know Grace's books and getting to know the people behind the books, um, I've learned it's possible to meet those challenges head on and, and to conquer them with God's help. And, you know, one of the things that I felt very strongly about with these books is that they would stir up in my heart a love for perseverance because I'm like you. I like to dig into the past. I like to figure out what don't I know? What do I need to know? What can help me be a better person today? It was always her goal to reach people with the gospel through her writing. Mm -hmm. And as she became more and more popular, she got more and more say over what went into her books. Okay. Anything else that you want to encourage our listeners with, Dana, before we let you go? I would just encourage those who are looking for um, good, clean books that they can share with their their kids, their grandkids, they are so wholesome. And you know this, Kathy. They're, you don't have to wonder if you can hand this book to a friend, and you won't have to be embarrassed. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. What a fun, fun talk it was for me, because this is my favorite author since I was about 10 years old. And so I'm so privileged to have someone who has dug into the history of Grace Livingston Hill and met her family and is helping to preserve her work. Thanks for all of your good hard work, Dana. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Grace Livingston Hill made a huge impact on my life. Think about the people in your world that made a huge impact on you, whether it's somebody that was an author or maybe a pastor or a teacher or a neighbor maybe even somebody in your own family. Grace helped to mold and shape some of the ways that I thought about reaching others, about encouraging people, 
and about never giving up. Think about who those people are in your life today. And just remember that you could possibly make an incredible impact on the lives of those around you. How will you be remembered? Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, so often when circumstances arise and we lose control, we want to give up. When trouble comes our way, we want to run and quit. Lord, help us to remain strong through your mighty hand. Help us to turn to you for help. Help us to be examples to others that lead them to you. Partner with us to look for you to help, to learn and grow and be our best. In Jesus' name, amen. Listeners, this upcoming week is going to be Thanksgiving, and I just want to wish you the happiest Thanksgiving from my family to yours. And I also want to just let you know how grateful I am for each one of you who are listening to the radio show and the podcast. Blessings to you. If you missed last week's show, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes at Kathy Weckworth, your best. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best. Yeah.